When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, 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 and welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, Ollie PB, and today I'm joined once again by Pat. Pat, it's uh, not the usual intro. Um, we were just no, discussing off air that we've we've not had to do it for a while. How are you feeling? Uh, this morning I'm all right I feel a lot better this morning after having a look at all the stats um I kind of went to bed thinking that that felt exactly like the Brighton away game but with calamitous errors uh and that's kind of how I still feel about it it was just such a bizarre game where you kind of at half. I remember thinking at half time, fucking hell, we've been battered. And then looking at the stats and seeing that they'd had like two shots and those were the two goals. And I was just thinking, mm. like, what's actually happened here? Um, and it was just a very weird game to try and dissect. It felt, it felt like a bit like that Brighton game away in the sense that we just couldn't get going. We couldn't get out of our half sometimes, couldn't pass the ball. But in terms of the intensity, it felt like that Everton away game where balls were just passing by people like people weren't taking responsibility like loads of needless mistakes and um yeah just really bad day at the office and um just yeah it just felt really really bad because it now means that the next two are are basically must wins otherwise uh, we can kind of probably say goodbye to top four Mm, yeah it's definitely it's definitely a bit humbling was it i didn't think i didn't think we'd win this one when we did our predictions um I, I maybe hope for a draw um but as you say kind of looking back on it with a fresh mind i think just nothing went for us in that game um the injuries pre-game and in the game we didn't take our chances even at 2-0 i think you know we had smith rowe and Erdegaard chances if one of those goes in it could easily end 2-2 and a point's not terrible um but ultimately, I think the mistakes we made at the start were just... I mean, if you if you defend like that against any team, especially away from home, you're going to lose the game, really. Oh, like you, you defend like that against like League One, League Two sides, you're going to concede goals. I just... I mean, we'll, we'll get into the kind of game bit by bit, but it was just so catastrophic. And it's it's weird, isn't it? Like we've been pretty good at sometimes not playing amazingly and, and being able to grind out results this season. You know, you, you look at Wolves away, Wolves at home to some extent in the sense that like we just kept going and we, we got there in the end. Mm. But it, it, it felt very Wenger, like end of era Wenger in the sense that we'd go on these good runs. Like I remember, do you remember like the Juru Koscielny partnership where we didn't lose loads of games uh, with them starting for ages. And then like they both got fit at the same time for a while. We went on a decent run and then it was just like a calamitous 
few games. I don't remember who we went away to and, 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 and shipped a couple of goals and looked awful. Um, it, it felt very strange. And, you know, like when you've got Martin Odegaard, who I was saying to friends like before this, I was like, if he drops like a seven out of 10, we win this game because he's just he's just that good right like he he is just that connector between midfield and attack and and really gets us ticking but like he just couldn't do anything yesterday it was really bizarre and i think even at 2-0 down i was kind of like you know get that next goal they'll they'll probably roll over and then you miss two sitters or, or really good chances chances that you you know you you bite your hand off to get and then we don't get that penalty which is you know a definite penalty but uh, we, we we won't go too into that because I don't think we do deserve much out of the game. But yeah, it felt really weird. Like, as I said, halftime felt like we got battered, looked at the stats, didn't. Second half felt like, you know, we, we looked a bit better, but it was just like never, it felt like a bit of a training exhibition. It felt, mm. the second half felt like Arteta trying to work out what he's going to do in the next nine games, mm. um, which is, is feeling a bit bad now that we might have Tierney in party out for a while yeah well let's rewind to to that start of the game then because after palace scored their first goal there was a lot of um narrative on the, the commentary i was listening to anyway that uh on sky sports that you know palace had started incredibly well and have really deserved that i think it started quite even to be honest i think we actually had a decent control on the ball and on the game in, in time so we hadn't created any chances yet but i thought okay we look a bit authoritative here. And then it's just so disappointing that a terribly defended free kick. I mean, I think it was maybe their second shot at that point because um, they only had four shots in the whole first half and two of them went in. They didn't have any corners at all in the game. So it was hardly like they'd been building loads of pressure. I get that they were putting our players under pressure, but it's just really disappointing to me that we, um, you know, gave in a goal let alone two to uh, not much pressure at all and for me my head really drops when we go behind away from home because I was saying saying in the chat at half time that I don't remember us coming from behind away from home like at all I can't think of a game and I think they said at half time that the last time we came from 2-0 behind to win was 14 years ago so was that against, was that against Bolton by any chance I think it was yeah, I think it <laughs> I must have been that, that one. Yeah, it must so, have been that one, right? The, it was at the Fabregas in the end when we were with 10, 10 men. Yeah. So it, I know records there to be broken, but it felt like a sucker punch. And I thought we'd really struggle to get back into it, especially because they were a counter team. Although we did we did score three away to home against West Ham last season, didn't we? We were 3-0 down. So it wasn't like yeah. it, there was precedent for it, but you kind of felt like if we... But Palace said, like, I, they hadn't conceded in the last no. four against Man City. They kept a clean sheet. We were going to need to score, you know, at least yeah. two to get something. And look, like, on another day, we do that. It, I know as bizarre as it sounds, but, like, was it six? I mean, we'll go through the game in a minute, but 60 minutes to 70 minutes, we basically have two kind of really, really good chances. Um, and then... And then the penalty shout, and it could have been different, but it wasn't. Mm. Like, it was one of those where everything... Um... And on the penalty, I think if the ref gives it, they don't overturn. And I think the ref gives it if it's at the Emirates. It's, it's one of those, literally, that you really see the home away advantage, I think. 
Yeah. Should, should we should we go through the game bit by bit? So so you said we started not too badly. Yeah, I think like, just we, we had a bit of control. About, yeah. The first goal, I seen the commentators sort of said it it had been coming, but I, I didn't necessarily think it had. I didn't think we were all over them at all, but I didn't think they had been building loads of pressure. Um and then we don't just lose the first ball, we lose the second ball, and even the header itself that goes in, I think, you know. Um, Ramsdale's kind of trying to track something else. It, it's hardly a good header. It just makes its way in. Was it a really disappointing goal to score, especially with how good we've been defending corners? Did we see, you know, obviously Tavares in for Tierney. Tierney's very good in the air, usually. Um, we've been without Tomiyasu, who's very good in the air. But because we've had Tierney on the other side, has that kind of at least given us three really good defensive headers of the ball and now we've only got centre-backs did, did we see the result of that there yeah I mean the thing is Tavares is not bad in the air like he wins a lot of his aerial duels statistically and he's a big yeah, he's imposing still... guy mm. um, it is interesting to me that Cedric's only really looked good when Tierney's on the other end and Tavares has only looked good when, when Tommy Asu is on the other end. Like, I, I, to, to your point. Well, I think they're both naturally, both Cedric and Tavares are more naturally attacking players than Tommy Asu yeah. and Tierney. Yeah. And you you back Tierney and uh, Tommy Asu both in the aerial duels over those two, even though Tavares is tall. And you'd back them both in 1v1s. So on the defence, and they both played centre-back, Tierney and um, Tomiyasu. So we definitely lose something defensively when they're both out as well. And that might be something we're facing for a while now because, bloody hell, I mean, Arteta said Tomiyasu was in contention for this game. But if you look back at his comments, he's been saying that for a month. Yeah, but he's been in training, right? Like from the photos and stuff. I he he, he has been, been in training, 100%. Hmm. I mean, I'm just searching it on Twitter now, but like... It's odd one, isn't it? I don't think there's anything more happening. Maybe we just think that because he seems like a nice guy. But it is odd. Well, I mean, I mean like Arteta said on the 31st that he's close to being fit. He's been training really hard. Yeah, but he said um, that before um, Liverpool game, before the Leicester game. And that was like a month ago. Yeah. But like, do, so do you think there's a chance he's on the bench? Uh today if do you think he's a chance there's a chance he's on the bench today if uh Tierney is fit I know that sounds weird but it kind of makes sense right mm. yeah but so, so 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 discussing the goal right I actually think it's Gabriel's fault as much as it is Tavares's because I think in when you're defending, when you're playing football, right? When you defend set pieces or corners, some of you are going to attack the ball, and some of you are kind of trying to block players and make it difficult for them. And Gabriel was marking no one, right? So he should have he should have been able to judge, judge that ball. I understand it's up in the air and it's windy, but it's just literally a knock into the box. And Gabriel, I'm sorry, he's he's got to get that ball away. By hook or by crook, he like that is his bread and butter. That's the thing he's best at, like defensive headers, um, you know, being being that dominant uh, point in the box. That is his his um, bread and butter, and mm. I really think that 
I know Tavares has got a lot of slack because the balls kind of the balls he, he's kind of ducked a little bit. He should be stronger. Like uh, Anderson's all over him, and it's like a lucky nick off his face, and then goes in off um, Mateta. But Gabriel, like you see him, he's trying to judge the ball, and he has ages to do it, and he misjudges it so badly. I just think that you know we can get stuck into Nuno, and I do think that you know it does look like he has less and less of a future as Arsenal as we look at it. But I, I, I really thought Gabriel was just as culpable for that mistake. I don't mm. know what you thought. Yeah, I don't disagree. It was definitely a bad game for him um, yesterday. I think the second goal as well. You can, you can, um, I think potentially blame both players again. I think that left side of the defence didn't look great. The reality is, we Pablo Marie wasn't great, but he did have some decent performances. But he's gone, so we don't really have another option. You could put Holding in there, but um, I don't think that's the answer. I think this is just a young defender. This is what happens. Um, you know, if we want to give Gabriel a bit of an excuse, his wife did uh, did give birth a few days ago. Um, but we have seen this, as you say, before with Gabriel. These these performances do flicker into his uh, game. But how old is he? Twenty three. I think we've got a. It's kind of what I just reflected after a game that he's just turned twenty four. We've we've got one of the youngest squads in the league one of the youngest starting 11s and the guy who brings up the average age is useless <laughs> up top. <laughs> so this kind of thing's going to happen every now and then. The important thing is we box it away. Because um, I was thinking Spurs, you know, we've seen them put in some terrible performances and then we've written them off on the back of them. And the reason we shouldn't have written them off is it's one game. It, they can't lose points from a loss, yeah. just like we yeah. can't. You know, this is this is zero points. And Spurs, what they've done really well is bounce back from some really poor results and performances and put a few wins together. Now, we absolutely have to do that, as you say, starting on Saturday home to Brighton. And I think now losing yesterday means we have to go to Southampton and win. Um, but there's no reason we can't do it because the last time I felt this low after a game was that Everton game. Um, before Christmas and our amazing run started after that and I think the same last season we went to Goodison Park and did terribly was kind of the, one of the lowest points for Arteta and we started a good run so this team has shown ability to bounce back um, we have got Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones Blue Nile has something she'll adore Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Is it slightly different? I don't want to be negative, though, but is it slightly different in the sense that when we have bounced back, we've had, I, I don't know, for Pressure example, Everton. No, not pressure off, but like Everton away, we lose, no injuries, everyone's back, party mm -hmm. starts performing, blah, 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 right? Uh, but like City at home, lose unfairly, feel unjust. Burnley at home, we draw, but like we've got loads of injuries, suspensions, everyone's tired. Come back after the international break, big, big run, you know, the two Wolves games and Brentford. 
Yeah. Is is it? Are we looking at now the next two games, thinking like we we like me and you could go go through and and say who's going to start? We do, we don't know. Like we literally don't know who's fit. We've just been talking about Tommy Asu. Like, would you be surprised to see him start against Brighton? I wouldn't because like we just don't know whether or not he's yeah. he's actually fit or not. And. Tavares, like we don't know what's going to happen with him. Is Arteta going to put his arm around and be like, "Look, like you're my left back for the rest of the season, but I need you to to step it up," or is he going to go to Xhaka and say, "Look, like need you to do a job," um, but then Party might be injured for the rest of the season, so do you need Xhaka in field? Yeah. It's just a bit of a, it's a much more difficult task bouncing back when you've just lost basically your best player. But I think Party's probably been our best player in 2022, right? Mm. But our best player of the year so far. Um, your your vice captain is it fair to say i do think there are some nuances to this like let's just bounce back and go again because it is more difficult to do it without those guys and mm. especially when you know i think in that good run one of the things that was integral to that good run was like lacazette playing decently and he's basically been invisible for the last two or three games um mm. And that's become a bit of an issue. Should we should we talk about the second goal quickly? Because I think, yeah, know. but j- just on that, I um, yeah. you know, I've probably been the most negative out of everyone on this podcast about our top four chances. And the things you're saying are exactly what I said. If we have a bad performance away from home, how will we recover? If we have a couple of key injuries, how will we recover? And that's what I worried about. And it's it's kind of happening. But me trying to be positive, and the other thing I worried about is not giving. Lakonga Tavares like any time off the bench in recent games because it was inevitable that at one point they were then going to be needed to come into the team and I think we saw perhaps a bit of that uh, you know Tavares hadn't played I'm not sure if he played at all since the Forest game he was hooked off um, or not much at all since then we're just back in January and then we're expecting him to come in and, and perform perfectly so I don't think the squad management of the rotational players has been great. And I do worry about that. But I think it's a positive. Brighton still been playing very well, even though they haven't been winning. Um, and I'm sure they've cashed in all their XG on us on, on Saturday. But it's quite nice that we've got them at home on Saturday and not Spurs away immediately whilst we're finding out what's happening with the squad. So I think that's positive. And actually, I just looked back to the, that Everton loss. Um, the three games we had after were Southampton, West Ham, Leeds, which are in our next few games. We've got Brighton, Southampton. The small matter of Chelsea and Man United in between, but then West Ham, Leeds. So there you go. A bit positive. But second goal, <laughs> to be honest, I've erased it from my memory. So you <laughs> talk us through that posi- one. It's the worst bit of defending I've seen at Arsenal since Mustafi. Like, genuinely, like it's. Everything about it is awful. So, like, obviously, Xhaka goes to press the centre-back because Lacazette is probably 40 metres behind him, right? Um, and, look, like, Wacky Manderson plays a worldie of a ball. But, again, it moves so slowly and it goes... Like, it literally travels 70 metres and how Gabriel can't judge that correctly. I'm afraid he's just had a horror show there with that... Tri- like, Gabriel has done that four or five times... like. He is the reason, let's be honest, that Xhaka got sent off at Anfield in the League Cup. Like, he's done that a couple other times where he just runs out and goes a bit crazy. It's just like this this crazy moment from him. It's so unnecessary because what is the worst case scenario if that player controls the ball in front of Tavares where you're behind him? 
as Gabriel because Gabriel's trying to play the offside trap, right? He's trying to play the offside trap. And then he goes and tries to intercept it, which is crazy. And actually, I think by him going to try and intercept it, he stops Nuno getting close because as Gabriel goes to try and intercept it, and again, I, it feels like I'm being really harsh on Gabriel and not as harsh on Nuno because I think they're both at, at fault. And I kind of like Nuno, but I, I do think maybe his race has run at Arsenal. Like I think mentally and football IQ wise, he's maybe just not there tactically. He's He's so far off it, right? But he's actually done the right thing to some extent when Gabriel comes in. He's made the mistake in first place by not playing the offside tra trap, Nuno. But when Gabriel gets out of position, he kind of comes in field a bit and keeps his distance from Ayu to try and make sure that, okay, like, we can't both get tight there. But it's just, like, the reaction from Nuno after getting his body position in the right uh, place, he's so slow. Gabriel missing the ball is horrific. And, you know, there's nothing really Ramsdale can do about it from, from 12 yards, is there? I don't think there's any blame apportioned to him. But it's just calamitous from Gabriel and Nuno. Like, I just don't, I don't understand how the ball can go for, for 80 metres and you can't cut, uh, cut it out. It's just absurd, really. Like, it's, you know, you've erased it from my memory, but I just thought it was it's a horror show. Mm. Yeah, I mean, from what I do recollect from it, I think similar players to blame. Um, so I, I agree pretty much on that and I don't want to talk too much about the third goal but Gabriel not fouling oh yeah Zaha like, as well I'm to... sorry Thomas Party is injured right he's just mm -hmm. trying to hook the ball like, like kind of control it and probably mm -hmm. try and kick it away you've got two defenders there just go clear him out yeah. and I think I quite feel I feel bad for Odegaard right because he's had a horrible game he's had mm -hmm. his worst game since I don't, I don't even know. Worst game of the, in an Arsenal shirt, probably. And he's actually, to his credit, tracking back when Cedric's gone, gone walkabouts, right? Yeah. And you've got Ben White and Gabriel standing. Gabriel's just got to clear Zahar out, take the yellow. I'm sorry, you've, got, you've just seen your... your on the halfway line, line, he had the chance. On the chance. number six, yeah. half, just clear him out. Mm. And that is what, if you're watching City, Ruben Diaz does that 10 out of 10 times. Rodri does that 9 out of 10 times. John Stones, Laporte, they all do it. Walker... Cancelo, they all make close fouls in those positions. You've got to be street smart in that position. You cannot go 3-0 down. You cannot let Zahar go past when Thomas Partey literally can't walk. Yeah. I just, I, just, I couldn't understand it again. Like, and, and then when he squares up to Ben White one-on-one, -on -one, Ben White can't make the foul because he's the last defender. So if you make the foul there, it could be a red. And then you're I mean, that was, it. yeah, that was the only thing missing from this collapse that we've seen in previous times was it someone being suspended for a few games wasn't it so when he was running through I was literally thinking just don't get sent off you know this game's gone just don't get sent off so at least that didn't happen but yeah Gabriel should have taken him out it brought back um, White Hart Lane Tottenham. vibes yeah yeah. when Partey was injured and we mismanaged that situation and he scored they scored there as well so disappointing to see something similar happen again um, anything else on on their goals? Because I wanted to ask you what you do for Brighton at left back. Um, based on the fact, I think we're. I mean, there's, there's talk of Tierney being out for the season, let alone being back for the weekend. So let's presume Tierney's not an option. I think you've got to play Tavares, right? Mm. I mean, I think. 
I think with Partey's injury, it make it's even more so because you can't change both centre mids if the other option is Xhaka to left back. And you haven't got Tommy Asi, so you can't do Cedric at left back. Well, we may have Tommy Asi. Do you think Cedric at left back is going to be better than Tavares at left back now? Oh, I mean, what other option do we have? Holding at left back? There's, there's not well, an maybe, array of maybe options. Maybe Tommy Asu at left back. He's quite two fitted, isn't he? Mm. And then maybe play Ben White at right back, holding at centre back. <laughs> play four centre backs. At, but, in but I know you said Tavares might be the end of the road for him. I mean, are the club really going to be thinking that after less than a season with a young, young player? I th- I think you at least give him Saturday. I think if he can't... I think he's going to play on Saturday. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be... Well, what are your alternatives, right? Otherwise, you're going to play, what, Laconga, Smithrow and Odegaard in central midfield? We've, we've seen yeah. that not really work before. Um, or King Elneny comes back. Yeah, Elneny, Laconga, Odegaard, and then, you know... It's it's very difficult. I would play Nuno because I think you need Jacker in there, don't you? You really do. Like, mm. you've just had one of those two senior guys in midfield go, you need to keep Xhaka in the middle, I think. I think mm. having Xhaka in the middle is going to be more important than having... Uh, than having... Not, not having Nuno, if that makes sense. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think and I think we, good... need a, we need a confident Tavares. You know, we've got nine games left. Even if he, he didn't start in all these games, he's going to be needed at some point. You know, whoever yeah. does play left-back is going to need to come in. So... I mean, if he if he's calamitous at home to Brighton, then I think he's unusable for the rest no, of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, I was there at the Newcastle at home game, which was kind of similar in the sense that it was a bounce back game. I don't remember who we lost to. Was it Everton or United that we lost to, and then we we beat Newcastle at home two 0 Uh, we lost four 0 to Liverpool. Liverpool, and then we yeah Newcastle at home, and Tavares was unbelievable in that game, especially mm. in the second half. He was unreal and. There's a player there. It's just whether or not it's, he's a coachable player, if that makes sense. I, think I he's just a big confidence player, which unfortunately a lot of our players seem to be. Would you, would you be starting him on Saturday? Yeah, I think we have to. I don't think we have an, another option. As I say, we really need to and need him to perform well. If he doesn't, we've got to figure something else out because I'm not playing him in the next four: Southampton, Chelsea away, West Ham away, United at home. If he can't mm. cope with Brighton at home, so if that happens, we got to reassess. We got to work in the training ground and think about how we're going to navigate those four games. Because I think going forward, he he's okay, but those four games, there's going to be plenty of threat coming the other way. Um, Southampton, Chelsea, West Ham away, you know, and I think a lot depends on Tommy Asu. That uh, depends on when party's back. Hopefully, it's just a niggle and it's not you know, another two months or something. Well, I mean, what did Arteta say? He said it was pain in the same area he's felt pain before for us. That mm. doesn't sound like it's going to be a niggle, does it? Like, do you, do you no. think there's a chance he's out for the season? Like, I wouldn't be shocked, right? I worry because of what's happened before with him. You know, they've said three weeks and it's been three months. So, um, and I also think, unfortunately, with Thomas Partey, we, we see him at his very best when he's fully fit. And maybe last night he wasn't fully fit yeah. um, after the international break. And that's why we got that performance. And then unfortunately, he's now recurred. So what I mean by that is, I don't think we will see the best of Thomas Party potentially again this season, yeah. which is, is 
really going to make it tough to win those games against Tottenham United, West Ham, because I think he's he was capable of being the difference. And yeah, but someone else is going to have to step up. You know, if these players want to play Champions League football, you know, Erdegaard, Saka wants to re-sign, wants the Champions League team, then these players are going to have to step up. Lekonga, as I say, I think it's been bad squad management to keep him so cold. But he's he looked he looked good in. though when he came on. Yeah, I, I mean, I've game, seen I a lot. Game's of, dead, right? But yeah, I've seen a lot of talk about good. that, but I just think it's impossible to judge when they're letting him have the ball on the halfway yeah. line, and that's mainly where he did his, his best things. I think he's had some good moments. Um, he had his bad moments have sort of been when he's been caught on the ball under pressure, and I think Southampton away is going to be a big test for him. Yeah, in games like that, but you know, we're ready for someone else to come to the fore. Players do rotate and who uh, shines and we're, we're going to need someone like that because otherwise I don't think we've got a chance um, with those injuries but before we get to some questions I just wanted to do something else positive because Palace the reason I really worried about this game is is how well they played against us at home um, you know arguably they should have won that game we scored a last minute equaliser and we're very good at home so I think sometimes there's just teams that you don't match up particularly well against. I think it's a big win for Patrick Vieira. Obviously, has gone for the Arsenal job in the past. And I think tactically in both games against us, he, he's won that tactical battle. Um, but there's some teams that just have our number. And I think Palace, even before Vieira, we struggled especially away from home against. So Yeah, Palace have kind of had the number of most of the top six this season, haven't they? Mm. Um, I mean, they beat taken... Spurs 3-0 at home. They drew against four points of. They've talk, taken four points of us and Man City, right? They beat mm. City away, was it? Um, yeah. I don't know what they've looked like against other 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 ones, but those are the notables in my mind. That they've gotten four points of us and City, and then they beat Spurs at home three 0 So I think. Yeah. Uh, so I always worried about yeah. that game, um, but thinking about matchups, and we think we've got very hard fixes to come, and I think we do. Um, and we've got some of these teams obviously away rather than home. But I was just looking back at... Should we talk just about one thing? Mm. Um, Lacazette, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was just being positive, Pat. And you I know, me... I know, I know, I know. But I just wanted to finish up on that before we go into the future and then finish up. Um, like, I mean, first of all, what was that? You'd expect the f- after two weeks break, right? for him to actually have some sharpness to be up for it and like he was doing everything badly like there was a few moments where he got the ball in the kind of just creaking on the final third and he's got so much time to turn and he just like pings it back off to Ben White or whatever and it must be infuriating if you're like party Gabriel or Tavares when you play that kind of line splitting ball to get a striker on the half turn and he just pops it back off Mm. I just I mean, that's one thing. I mean, he was just... There was there was a bit what I wrote in our group chat, wasn't it, where was it Thomas Party made that run down the right from a throw and um, kind of volleys it across the box. There was one angle that showed Lacazette in that entire move. And this is what, like, in, like honestly, wanted me to... I wanted to break my TV at that point. But you watch the ball go, like, down the line and Lacazette doesn't move. He's watching Party, and he sees Party's going to get to the ball. Still doesn't move. 
Partey hooks it across and Lacazette kind of just watches the ball go into the keeper's arms. And look, it wasn't the best cross. It wasn't something I expect Lacazette to be on the end of. But you've got to make some movement and gamble once the ball goes into those areas. And he just doesn't have that. Like, again, Nketiah's ball across to Odegaard, where was Lacazette? Like, nowhere near it, right? And I know he doesn't need to be, but he's nowhere near it. There are a few times where crosses came into the box, bad crosses will bite, and he's nowhere near it. He wasn't even involved in the link, like good link-up play we had in the second half. It was probably his worst game of the season, wasn't it, Ollie? You contenders, though. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said at the start... Well, Villa was a contender, wasn't it? Yeah. I Again, I said a few weeks ago that I think we needed to trial another way of playing. We needed to trial Smith-Rowe or Martinelli through the middle because I knew this would come in. And we talked after... It was after the Villa game, wasn't it, when I said, we've got a couple more weeks where we're going to have three games in a week. And I don't think Lacazette could do it based on the evidence of the Liverpool and Villa game. I didn't think after two weeks, 16 days off, he would be this bad as well. Um, So it's a real concern for me because when we talk about other players stepping up, he needs to be one of those. We've lost senior players in Tierney and and Partey, potentially long-term. Lacazette really needs to step up. And he's got two non-penalty goals this season in 24 games. I mean, I've raised it before on Twitter and people have told me his role is not to score goals. But as I tweeted last night, even in some strange world where it's acceptable for him to score two in 24, his all-round play has been, well, last night anyway, was absolutely terrible. His link-up, all his flicks weren't to the player. He's got zero pace. So the, the opposition just rise their back line um, and don't worry at all. And they had wingers that pegged back our wingers. So it just meant we had no threat through the middle. He had a couple of headers, didn't he? That was like when you hit the top of the mushroom on Mario Kart and it bounces out in the bloody <laughs> stadium. I just, yeah, I'm losing patience Awful with him. headers as well. Like, it's just, I know, I know they're not easy ones, but... Mm. The problem I've got is I, I really think Nketi is poor as well, so... You know, yeah. as I said a few times. What, what would you? What would be your solution? I mean, Aketia's looked pretty good when he's come on, but he's not. When he's come on, he's not really playing centre forward, is he? He's playing kind of left forward. I like, just what would be I've, your solution. Seen, yeah, I've seen enough of him to know that I'll I'll be saying the same, not the same things, but I'll be equally as frustrated in a few games if he plays. I think what we have to do now is is get that power four on the pitch together. Um, because we've we've got injuries, but we've still got uh, Erdegaard, Saka, Smith Rowe, Martinelli, and we still have Pepe. And I think we're going to have to try and use Pepe, um, whether that's exploring him through the middle or Smith Rowe to the middle, Martinelli to the middle. Pepe's used more out wide, but we're going to need to utilise those because we need to score some goals and. Lacazette, if he's not, you know, contributing in other ways, which even when he does, I think people overrate some of the stuff that he does. Mm. Um, as if like strikers who score goals don't do that as well. And I think that's because <laughs> Arsenal fans see Inketia who doesn't, so thinks that's what strikers who score goals are like. But by the way, Inketia scored like five Premier League goals in his whole career. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, you know, we've got two strikers in the squad. It just makes just me laugh, really. really that, put the ball in the net. Yeah, at all. I don't think... What, what would you be doing then, Ollie? Would you would you play Martinelli up top or would you play Smith Rowe as a false nine? What would be your... Um, I would play Martinelli up top. I think Martinelli... We've tried it a few times, admittedly, and not done. Yeah, just checking. And Enketi has zero goals in the Premier League this season. He hasn't started a game, but he's come just the double checking. 12 times. <laughs> 12, he, he's supposed to be our impact sub. 12 sub-appearances, no goals. So I would play Martinelli. I think he, he does the pressing that uh, Lacazette occasionally does that the manager seems to like. Um, I think he has the pace in behind that will frighten defences, unlike Lacazette. Um, I don't think he's quite as good as Lacazette on form linking up, but I think he can. You know, he's he's played as part of that midfield. He's played on the left, so he's been used to. He's been getting integrated into those sort of link up um, moments. I'd even explore, you know, having Smith Rowe on the left, Martinelli up top, and then rotating in game. You know, because yeah. Smith Rowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of our best finishers. Didn't look like it last night with that horrendous shot, but I know what it's like. He got caught under his feet a bit, but you know his finishing has been pretty good this season. So I think between those two, there could be a bit of in-game switching, a bit of a trial on Saturday. Um, I just think we've got to figure out another way to play. There's no way Lacazette plays for the next nine games and doesn't cost us more points. Um, and you know, people I, say it I wasn't would do his the fault. same. By the way, I'd, yeah. I'd play, I'd play Martino just because they squeezed quite high up Palace, so they could press high up. Mm. Um, and there was just, and I noticed these small things, right? But there was a moment where Cedric got the ball in the kind of like back right space, you know, like but but not quite right back, but like just over the over the line, right, and a bit mm. inside. He's on the ball. He's kind of got his head up. And Lacazette makes a run, right, in behind the defence. And as a striker, right, I've played up front uh, quite a lot before. And as a striker, you've you've only really got the energy to make, like, a certain amount of sprints. Otherwise, you're just going to be, like, dead on your feet. And I'd only make sprints when I, like, the pl- like you know, the player who has the ball is going to be able to make the pass. And... It's just simple stuff like that. Like, like it's not Trent Alexander Arnold on the ball. Mm. You don't, you don't make like one of your fifteen runs a game when Cedric's on the ball. I'm sorry. Like, it's it's like even the simple things like that that I notice where I'm just like, this guy's not a centre forward. And if he once was, he he literally like he he's lost all instincts to do that because if you're like a Martinelli and you've got loads of energy and you can make 30 sprints a game that's fine but if you're Lacazette and you're making what like 12 13 14 you gotta you gotta pick them wisely and there was a few times where Odegaard had the ball doesn't move that that example where I talked about party didn't move a few times where Smith throw Martinelli have the ball out wide Saka doesn't move and it's just like you move when Cedric's got the ball I mean mm. I think I think 
he's just got to go for broke now and just go for the Martinelli, Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard, Smith Rowe combo and just see where it goes. And then I'd actually even play like uh, Xhaka and Lukonga in a double pivot and just let those guys stay higher up and mm. try and connect it because, yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I think with the injuries, if gun to my head, what what do I think Arteta does on Saturday? I think he starts Lacazette again because I think he will... And I've been a massive advocate of consistency. Um, so I get his argument of he's going to have to make a couple of changes elsewhere. He wants to keep a little bit of rhythm and patterns of play in other areas of the pitch. So I, I understand it. But I think the injuries we have are so in such key areas that I think he has no option but to rethink it a bit. Um, because it's not like... You know, if Saka, even if Saka was out, um, you bring Pepe in. We've got a part, a, a Thomas party that we've discussed on here a few times. You know, there's no one who can directly replace him. We've talked about what happens if he gets injured because it doesn't feel like Lekonga's nat- naturally that player. Tierney and Tavares, very different players and do change the way we play. And I think he may just have to make quite a few tweaks and I just hope they're working hard on the training ground and I guess what reassured me a little bit was that Arteta fully acknowledged it wasn't good, wasn't good enough because we've seen yeah. him in, in games like we've seen him last season a lot when we've played worse than this, I would say, <laughs> um, say that, you know, they only had four shots or, or bring out the stats that, that you were mentioning earlier. And that's fine for us to, to discuss and, and look at that. But I'm glad he didn't um, because... Yeah. You know, it wasn't good enough, and we can't keep playing like that and get in the top four. So, I am just looking at those chances we missed in the second half. By the way, Jesus Christ! Like, yeah, he'll be fuming at them, but I'm glad he's not publicly. I think he he still knows that. I mean, he he can't be not seeing that Lacazette in the last. If you think about it, this game terrible, Villa terrible, Liverpool terrible. So it's three games in a row now, and he's had sixteen day rest scored a hat-trick in a behind-closed-door friendly, you know, had all that time on the training ground and that's what he delivers. So <laughs> he's got to try and sort it out one way or another. Um, we've had one question which kind of links into to where we are in the discussion now, so I'll ask it now. It's coming from John. Hello, John Howells. Nice to, nice to see you again. Thanks for your question. Um, Everton Gamer, now Palace. Why do we have these performances and how do we eradicate them? Is it a lack of leadership on the pitch? And we've naturally gone to the Everton game in today's discussion, haven't we? Because it it has felt like a similar moment in in where we kind of all that composure and confidence we've been playing with just completely vanished at Goodison Park, and it and it vanished very quickly at, at Selhurst mm. last night. How do you think we avoid a similar thing happening, Pep? Because we've got we've got similar. I see similar sticking points. Southampton away, you know, a, t- a decent team that has a good atmosphere away from home. West Ham away. Chelsea away, probably they'll have no fans, so that might help. <laughs> but Spurs away, even Newcastle away, I'm looking at yeah. and thinking these are potential points that this team could trip up again. How do we do it? And what, and what do you think Arteta is going to be working on to ensure... This doesn't happen again. Uh, do you know what? I think they've just got to chalk it off as like a bad, bad, bad day at the office. 
Like, do like. Let me ask you this question: Do you think Gabriel Odegaard, Party, Saka, play that badly again this season? I'd be surprised if they do, because that's the mm. like that's the worst I've seen some of those players. I don't think all at the same time. No, but... no. It, it, that that that's that's kind of like what I mean. Um, yeah. Are we going to get Tierney back? How long's Party out for? When's Tommy Asu going to come back in? I think some of this is going to be personal. I don't actually think tactically we were bad um as you said i don't like it kind of felt like the brighton away game but we're against a team who took advantage of the chances that they had mm. um we didn't take those chances the second half we didn't get the penalty it was just a disaster all round i think they might just get in regroup and just say we played that game 10 times yeah maybe we'd lose three or four times maybe five times but i think you play that game it, with that without the individual errors and the results are all right, but I think if you keep yeah, so, so, errors, so that's yeah, that's what I mean. Like I think they might just say, "Look, like we played badly, and if we played that game ten times over, we probably would have won three or four of the times." Mm. Um, and when you play one of your worst performances of the season, that's not a terrible point to be in. Um, and I think yeah, I think Brighton will that they seem a bit toothless. Hopefully, there'll be less pressure on our defense, and they get a bit of confidence from that because we'll need that confidence when we go into the. Southampton game but again I think they just need to regroup you know be humble and again like the pressure's kind of on Spurs now and in a bizarre way I do want to see how this team reacts when they're not really in the driving seat if that makes sense and I want to see what Spurs are like when they are in the driving seat Mm. Um, because you could see it going both ways right only if we beat Brighton I think if we draw against Brighton or something then Spurs will probably take a draw away to Villa it's one of their hardest games yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, Brighton are dangerous here. You know, they've been on a terrible run. Everton were on a horrendous run before and after they beat us. And Brighton tend to match up quite well against us. And they're going to have some chances. We just need to make sure they don't take them like, like Palace did. But let's rewind about 20 minutes then when I was talking about the matchup stuff because I just want to close quickly on that to give some people some confidence. Because um, as I was saying, Palace, we've played pretty poorly against both times. And I was saying some people just don't match up particularly well to us. Um, so I looked at our remaining fixtures, which on paper look very tough. And I'm sure they will be. Brighton at home. I mean, we got a point away from home. We didn't play particularly well. You'd hope our home advantage can take us through. Southampton away, as good as they've looked in some games... They are inconsistent and we had a very convincing win. I think it was after the Everton loss. Um, I think they kind of match up quite well against us as well, yeah. Southampton, yeah. in terms of to our advantage. So that's what I mean. I think, you know, potentially that's this is a positive to look at because I think they match up quite well against us. I think we beat them away last year as well. I think Pepe had one of his best games in Arsenal shirt on the left. Man United, I know we lost that game, but I think we didn't really deserve to lose that game. And I think just in general against United in recent years, we've looked pretty good again at home. Again, um, a team that we, we, we I think we're going to match up well against. Mm. West Ham away. Um, there was that big 3-3 last year. They are hopefully going to be playing Barcelona either side. We beat them quite convincingly at home to potentially match up well against them. Leeds at home, I know a completely different manager, but uh, you know our home game last year was convincing. Our away game this year was convincing. 
Spurs away, obviously, kind of form goes out the window and Spurs away is going to be incredibly tough in any scenario. But we played very well against them at home. And that's my point, that we 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 know how to beat them this season. I've ignored Chelsea away because I think we had, you know, a very um, COVID and injury depleted squad that day that hadn't integrated well. They're in a very different space at the moment. Um, so I think that's just a bit of a shootout game. Newcastle away, again, they're in a very different space, but we, we played really well against them at home. And then we do finish with Everton at home, but I think Everton away just seems to be a problem for us, but Everton at home doesn't doesn't tend to be. And I think by then, I don't know. They They'll either fixes, be safe or down, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd hope on the final day. So when I, I don't know if that's, I mean, you were confident anyway, Pat, you have us winning every game, but... <laughs> yeah, 70, 79 points, was it? Um, when I go through like that, because some of the games I'm particularly sort of scared of, I'm thinking Southampton and West Ham's away. I'm, I kind of talk myself into a bit more confidence when I look at how we played against them at home. I know that's very different, but um, does that give you a bit more confidence? And, and do you think there's there is that angle of kind of tactical matchups? Yeah, I do, but I just I just fear on the personnel front. That's mm. you know. If you're telling me we've got everyone fit and we play those games, I'm really confident. But I, you know, we've seen that we can cope with like a couple of players missing or players missing where we have good backups. Like we can cope with Cedric being in the team and everyone else being a starter. We can cope with Tavares being in there and everyone else being in the start a starter. We yeah. can probably cope with Laconga being there and everyone else being a starter. I think there's a max of like two, isn't there, yeah. away from our variant 11 i mean against villa we had leno again it depends cedric. it depends what it depends what positions though because the drop-off yeah. from tommy acid to cedric is massive the drop-off from tierney to nuno is massive the drop-off from party to lakonga even though i rate lakonga i think it's good is pretty big mm. i um that that's what i fear of and if those two are out for the season we're gonna need some players to step up massively is all i'll say yeah, yeah. Well, look, we got uh, maybe luckily from the viewing last night, we're not on TV for the next two games, which uh, seems odd because we seem to have been on every every game. We've got Brighton at three o'clock on Saturday at home and then the following Saturday, which I thought would be a televised game, Southampton away, but I'm quite glad it's not. I feel like yeah. Monday night, Southampton is harder than Saturday afternoon, Southampton. But... Yeah. Um, so we've got those two games and then we have... Uh, the massive challenge week one which is uh, Chelsea United West Ham so I think it's a case of getting through these next two we need to take six points from it yeah. and hopefully at least maybe one of Tierney on parties injuries is good enough to to get back for part of that week but you know we'll have to wait and see and we'll just yeah. have to live with what what cards we get dealt but um, you know it's it's a challenge for the manager now. He was part of the decision-making to let so many of the backup players go in January and not bring in others. And I get the reasoning behind it, you know, only by the right players. But this is where he's got to prove that that's the right decision um, because this is a great chance to get top four. Even after losing last night, we're still very much in our hands and he, he's got mm. to find a way to do it. Um, 
But yes, we will talk after the Brighton game. Let's hope we are back on track and let's hope maybe Villa have learnt from their loss to us and uh, managed to take something from Spurs as well because we could be having a very different conversation if, that, if those are the results at the weekend. But um, I think there's going to be lots of... T- uh, there's going to be lots of twists and turns. Lots. Um, honestly, I think there's going to be lots of twists and turns. Yeah. Um, and it will go down to those final two or three games, I believe. Yeah, look, we're definitely in for some big games. Um, you know, I found the talk of people saying, let's hope the top four's done by the time you play Spurs. I mean, that was never going to happen in any any world because there would be nine points to play. We'd have to be like 10 points clearer than which was never going to happen. Um, even if we won every game, I don't think that would that would have happened. So that game is always going to matter. It's going to be a huge day. You know, we've won the league at White Hart Lane before. Let's make uh, another famous moment there. So, yeah, that's what it's all about. But um, we'll wrap it up there and we will talk. We'll be back with you next Monday, um, back on the usual Mondays after we play on Saturday. Um, so you've been listening to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. Please subscribe on whatever you're listening on. And follow us on Twitter at Fresh Arsenal Pod. We aim to answer questions that come in on there. So please do pop in your questions and we will answer them on the next episode. I've been Ollie, otherwise known as PB, otherwise known as at Ollie Price Bates on Twitter. And Pet, you have been at Pet Barisha on Twitter, P E T B E R I S H A. Thank you very much. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.